Hi, and welcome to Tuesday Talkies, where we discuss what's going on in the world of music business. I'm Peter Schwing, and joining me today are my fellow co-hosts, Sam Tall, Aisha Adamo, Stephanie Carlin, and The Duke. If there's something you'd like to chime in about, let us know in the comments below. Today, we're going to discuss how much does it cost to get your music played by a TikTok influencer, Twitch is having its moment with takedown notices, how can artists open themselves up to possibilities during chaos, and the importance of artists creating music for a movement. So let's get to it. The other day, Rolling Stone published an article simply titled, Want a TikTok hit? Have $30,000? The article discussed what influencers are charging these days to add a song. Paying influencers is nothing new. Radio payola, paying playlist creators, or just scroll through your Instagram feed and you'll find plenty. The original charm of TikTok was it gave the little artists who didn't have a big label budget a chance. But as with any social platform where there's billions of people, the ones with the money have leverage. The big name celebs are in the game now and will suck up all the attention. Now, the label and marketing dollars are being shifted to paying influencers, which isn't necessarily an added cost to the marketing department since currently they aren't spending money on promotional tours. Sam, is this just the pay the influencer platform du jour? How effective is it? And what does it mean for the fledgling artist? You know, I, I think it's, it's an interesting way that Rolling Stone decided to frame it because it doesn't cost $30,000 for everybody. Maybe it costs $30,000 for Charlie D'Amelio, who's like the number one TikToker in the world, but it doesn't cost that much for everybody. Now that's not to say that it doesn't cost money um, to guarantee the use of your song. Um, but there are a lot of, just, just as is the case with YouTube and Instagram, there's a lot of micro influencers on TikTok who are happy to promote something, maybe just have a shout out, maybe just something that's, uh, you know, under, thousand dollars which is still a lot uh let's let's not you know mince words there it's still a lot for especially for independent artists but it's not you know your major label budgets well the the thing here is you know now does it become the saturation point again where it's only the one percent the only the ones with this money that can get in there and you know it it now is it that we're looking at the next platform already for how these fledgling artists that don't have this kind of budget, like it's again, it's what happened with YouTube, what happened with Instagram, you know, like what is, what is an artist to do? What can you do? Like as a manager, what do you tell your artists? Right. Well, so I think as with prior platforms that have kind of taken this uh, position of being the, 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 the new way to promote music, there are going to be creators who take money for promotion, but all creators, as far as I have experienced, and, and, and at least the good ones for sure, still like doing genuine, good content. They like engaging with other creators. They like, uh, you know, sharing the things that they care about, the things that they're interested in, and really kind of feeding the audience. Because if it's just all promotion, it's obvious. So they like to do things that are still very organic to their personality, their platform, that's really what the audience is there for in the first place. And so for the artists that I represented who've gone that route, who wanted to engage in that sort of audience and, and reach out and have some kind of help from the influencer space, I say get involved, get on the platform, participate, create content, be a member of that community, earn your recognition and earn your credibility as a member of that community, then reach out and say, hey, I'm over here doing my thing, I like your thing, 
let's do our thing together. My thing is music. Your thing is something else. And that's the most organic way you can get that word of mouth going. Yeah. And that's something that YouTube influencers used to do in the past is you'd find you, you match up with somebody and you would share some content, you'd cross collateral cross collateralize. You could do a bunch of different things together and say, Hey, go check them out and then vice versa. So, and that's how that the whole YouTube influencer and partnerships that's really helped to, you know, get everybody more exposure and that's actually still what this name of the game is it comes down to exposure because you know TikTok, you know what are they paying out for royalties right now so you're paying to get exposure to drive somebody to go listen to a to listen to you on a streaming platform so you generate revenue there absolutely and with yeah and with that being said don't go anywhere sam because we have another social streaming platform uh to discuss <laughs> And uh, this has to do with Twitch and their copyright strike problem. So last week, The Verge reported that Twitch will begin scanning and deleting clips that contain copyrighted music. In the article, they state, Twitch plans to start automatically scanning clips of live streams for copyrighted music and following a wave of takedown requests on years old videos which has frustrated streamers over the last week. Twitch says it will automatically delete clips with copyrighted music in them and that it will not penalize streamers. Under its current rules, streamers can get strikes for copyright violations that could ultimately lead to a ban. So Sam, we're gonna turn back to you and we're also gonna bring in the Duke for this segment to discuss the effects that this will have on streamers in the industry. So Sam, you're at Studio 71 which is dealing directly with this. So let's start with your take on this matter. Sure, so there's kind of two sides to this equation, right? There's the rights owners who control the content, the music, and don't want it used without getting paid for it, obviously enough. And on the other side, there's the, the creators who are using the content in their videos and in their streams, which does have a you know amplified effect on the professionalism and the production quality of, that's perceived of their streams. Um, and then in the middle is Twitch having to, you know, be the traffic between the sort of intersection of those two parties. So Studio 71, as a multi-channel network and as a content distributor, we both represent a bunch of music rights as well as a bunch of creators, especially gaming streamers, where this is a problem for them. So it's a very unique sort of position to be in where we can kind of see both sides play both sides of the coin. Um, the reality is this, music creators, like put aside the labels, for example, creators themselves want to get credited and get compensated for their work. doesn't matter if they're a streamer and they want to collect the tips from people uh, paying in on their stream. doesn't matter if they're a music creator and they want to get paid for doing the covers that they spend a lot of time, effort, and money producing. Everybody's just trying to make a living making content and making sure that their rights are protected across the board. So there's sort of an obligation on the part of the labels and the distributors, like Studio 71, to defend their, those rights. But there's also an obligation on the parts of the creators and their representatives, like Studio 71, to try and keep those claims and strikes at bay to allow the, you know, the streamer or the creator to continue having that business opportunity. Um, this is nothing new. It's what happened on YouTube. It's what led to the creation of Content ID. It's what led to you know, Facebook having to build a rights manager and have, you know, the issues that they had with Instagram and automatic detection. Twitch is now suffering the same problem. 
they're becoming a platform where monetization is 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 inevitable uh, at the scale of of a YouTube. And so all the labels, including the RIAA and NMPA, who are sort of the main mouthpieces for this effort, are going to be looking to cause a little bit of damage to bring them to the bargaining table. Right on, and I and I know. Uh... Dave, the Duke also, uh, you know, he had, he was talking about this and, you know, coming from, you know, as a musician and everything. And I know you have a standpoint on this. So, you know, let's let's fold this into the equation. So, Duke, come on. Why don't you join us and, uh, you know, g- give us your perspective on this. Well, when I when I read this, like my brain was kind of just like baffled because so just like long story short, you know, the band Shinobi Ninja, I mean, we had a song in NBA 2K12, the number one selling video game of that year. It sold 5 million copies. So every time somebody played that game, our song played. Now, if you're twitching the game and the song plays, how does that affect your stream if it's in the game itself? It's almost like there's a fourth wall. And then the other side is like social medias are just becoming too powerful. Um, I think now with Twitter, like um, putting, you know, labels on what the president says, or this is false, or this is real. It's the same thing with Twitch. It's like, you can't play a song, even though you bought the song, you can't play the song. I think the next step would be kind of controlling what you wear. You can't wear certain things in our videos, because if we're Nike, we don't want you streaming racist things or anything like that. I think it's just like the walls are just closing in slowly but surely on the creators of content, if you want to call it content but it's really our lives that we're living in. It's the big brother I, and it's just now it's what you say, it's what you listen to, you know, it's what you look like. It's, it's just a lot of walls. So I just felt, I was just like, man, it's just closing in on all sides. And what, what do you have to do? You have to make another social media platform that then says, we're not like the other ones until they get big enough and then they get bought up and they become just like the other ones. So I know, think it was uh, questionable. I think a certain amount of that is good and a certain amount of that's bad, right? Like we don't want platforms to allow the proliferation of harmful, damaging, abusive, or um, fraudulent content, right? We also don't want uh, Twitch necessarily to become a haven for people to freely distribute music that people then tune into that like it's the radio, but there's no monetization model, even like the radio has, to support the creators who made that content. On the other token of that, um, we see a a big part of at least the argument for the press's sake here is that creators are streaming a lot more and using Twitch a lot more, but there's not a monetization model for them as uh, robustly as there is elsewhere. And so we need Twitch to kind of support creators in the licensing and monetization of the content that they're bringing to the table. And the way we do that is by limiting how much of it is, is used and abused on other plat- on other ch- channels and other streams where it's not paid for, it's not licensed, it's not covered. What do you think about that sort of like towing the line? I think I think it's cool to monetize things, right? I'm a creator, I wanna get paid. I think it's cool to monetize things. I think when you're dealing with the strike aspect, that's when it gets scary because now you're dealing with like online jail for the creator. So I'm going like, man, I can't play my homies tracks, even if they're on a small label, if it's um, distributed by whatever and it's on Spotify, I can't play my homies tracks. And so what kind of person am I if I can't do the things that I want to do? I'm really like restricted. I used to be free to be a, a Twitcher and now I can't do the things I wanted to do because I'm afraid to get my channel taken down. And what happens if they do take your channel down? What are you going to do then? It's like, you still got to wake up, you know, you still got to uh, create, but now you can't do the things that you love to do. So it's really like, it's shackles. It's the shackles of uh, social media, you know? I think that's an interesting point. There's, there's sort of, the missing piece here 
which is the true for many platforms and, and YouTube is better about this, but not great. Um, but in other platforms, it's very rudimentary where if it's an automatic detection system, it's just going to flag the content as a first step and, and then potentially take it down as a matter of policy, even before you have the opportunity to prove that you have permission to use it. So whether it's your homie's record and they say, yes, please put this on your channel. I want it promoted. I appreciate you. You don't have the ability to make that argument before the damage is already done. I think that's where the abuse of hand, that's where the social media jail uh, comes in for sure. Yeah, it's it's a real interesting thing. I mean, it goes goes along with anything that you know. This has been an ongoing battle at YouTube and other social platforms. So, I mean, you know, you look at even like Joe Rogan, you know, one of the number one podcast. Now he's going to Spotify. But if you ever watch his YouTube clips, uh, in his conversations, he might bring stuff up from uh, from like YouTube and playback. And then he, sometimes it's on screen, other times it's not, but he might ask his, uh, the technician, he's like, hey, can you bring that up without us getting flagged by YouTube? So you're talking about like the number one, the number one podcast in the world. And he still has concerns about these takedown notices. And, you know, along with the other things with licensing is for, you know, if like news, if it's like news broadcasts, if there's music playing in the background, that just falls under this formal license. And then, but with gaming, games are paying out uh, a license, a, almost a blanket. There's there's few different ways of structuring, it, but then there's also royalty payments that are paid out to each of the songs based on the unit sales. So therefore, when you didn't now, if you don't have unit sales, then you have now you're streaming this. So now it's like, is it there's four people, there's five people, but they already own it. So I see what Dave's saying is like, if you already own it. And you're playing with people that already own it. Why wouldn't that count towards it? So it'll be really interesting to see how this unfolds with people on Twitch who aren't already accustomed to how the game works on YouTube. So next up, opening to possibilities in a time of chaos and how creatives are uniquely equipped to dream new paths. Here are her thoughts on this is Aisha Adamo. Hey, I'm so glad to be back with you all this week. Um, today, I just wanted to talk about some of these opportunities that we have during this time. There's so much chaos out there, so much noise, but there's also the chance to get really close to our true inner voice and the truth that we want to bring to our creative work or whatever work we're doing, just our lives, just our everyday. So thinking about this, um, I know as music artists, a lot of us have a little bit longer to wait for the openings because a lot of venues are gonna take a while to open because of the gathering of people and the hazard of that. So we have a little bit more time to, to just work on ourselves. And because we're in the music business, we've had a lot of ups and downs, a topsy-turvy life. So we're more rugged than other people and more used to having these ups and downs. So we can take this time to really connect with what we wanna do and who we wanna be. Um, out there. So for myself, I know that I've actually been looking at my room, which is very often a mess. I'm a classic messy artist. Um, and really thinking about how in the new future me and the new future reality that I'm dreaming for myself, this kind of manifestation, how can I shift my environment, like the womb of this new me that's going to be born to actually reflect this future. 
And so I've been doing that in little ways and in certain ways of organizing and divesting things, letting go of old stuff. And now is a great time to be letting go of the old and to come into this new world that we're creating step by step. All of us have this opportunity to to go deep into the part of ourselves that dreams, that daydreams, and kind of see what comes, because we don't know what the future is right now. We can let it come to us and tell us what the next step is. So that's what I've been doing, and um, I think it's a really effective time to do that. So I hope you'll take part in it. Right on. Thank you for that. You know, it's, uh, you know, how to shift an environment. It's like, let go of the old. Uh, think of it as the great purge. Focus on what is necessary. Thank you, Aisha. Always great insight. The 60s and 70s brought out voices of a generation looking for change and to right many injustices. Musicians spoke out by writing protest anthems and fought for a cause and got their voices heard. With everything that is going on right now, how important is it for artists and the industry creators to create music for a mission or a movement? Here is Stephanie Carlin to discuss a few blind spots that will keep that keeps us from declaring what we're truly committed to. Stephanie. Hi, Peter. Thanks. Um, so I really believe musicians and artists change the world just as much, if not more, than politicians. And I'd like to give two examples I'm particularly moved by right now in our current climate. Um, I think about Lizzo, who uses her 9 million Instagram followers to post, well, some might think she's posting photos of her ass, but she's actually doing it with intention. She's doing it to show women how to deal with body shame. She's doing it because she knows there are women and girls on her platform who get body shamed every single day and have no idea how to deal with trolls and have no idea how to be confident. She's doing it to shame the fat shamers and give those women and girls the thought, well, if Lizzo can be confident, if Lizzo can love her body, I can do it too. It's very clear that she has a methodical and thoughtful approach to the impact she's making through social media. And I also think about Beyonce. Now, at the time of this airing, Breonna Taylor's murderers have still not been arrested. And we saw that this week, Beyonce penned a letter to the Kentucky Attorney General, and she penned three specific calls to action to bring criminal charges against the officers, transparency into the investigation and prosecution of those officers, and an investigation into the Louisville Metro Police in response to her murder and the repeated deaths of unarmed black citizens. It has been three months since Breonna Taylor was murdered by the police. Beyonce only penned this letter yesterday and I have a feeling it's going to make a huge difference because people listen. And why do people listen to her? Why do people listen to artists? Music speaks to the human experience. Mus musicians are the access to this spiritual practice of feeling, not just speaking truth. Great music makes us feel truth. It makes us feel whatever your version of God is. It connects us to deep unity. It reminds us we're one. And those of us who have chosen music as our spiritual practice or as our business must acknowledge the responsibility that is. And let's not forget their roots. Like eight years into her career, career Lizzo was still sleeping in her car. She was still singing for a hot meal. There's a photo she put on her Instagram of her holding up like one of those signs on the side of the road for Liberty Mutual, because that was her job, reminding folks of her roots and how unwilling we should be to settle for anything less than our dreams. And so my inquiry to our listeners today is, what has you scared to speak truth? 
maybe you're an artist, but maybe you're a music industry leader. And by the way, everyone in an industry can be a leader. Even if you're an intern, you're a leader. Being a leader is a mindset. It's not an evidence-based phenomena. You, don't, you either believe you make a difference or you don't. So to all my leaders out there, what has you scared to speak your truth and to use your platform to take a stand for something beyond the day's hashtags and trends? Where are you scared of being judged, being criticized, being scared of making people angry? Are you afraid of your power? Are you afraid to shine? Do you have an old grudge or resentment that like just won't go away? I want you to remember what self-sabotage actually looks like in those little moments. It looks like procrastinating, like quitting right as you get close to a goal, like being in relationships that tether you to frustration. It looks like carrying any sort of disempowering narrative that diminishes you and your power. So my request to you is that you stop self-sabotaging, stop trying to keep the peace or be nice and make it your mission to speak truth on a truth vibration and get committed to altering things. And for the next three weeks, we will be in Mercury retrograde, which is an intense astrological time for us as individuals, corporations, businesses, and of course, as a society to reflect and reassess on what matters to us. So Peter, the timing could not be more perfect. Yeah, thank you so much. You know, really insightful. And and just to reiterate something, so you're saying it doesn't matter what your job title is, what position you're in, is you can be a leader and you can use your voice to make a difference. So get out there, speak up and make a change. And that's it for today. Thank you all for tuning in. If you wanna chat with our host, stick around for the after show conversation. And if you find this interesting, please hit that subscribe button and ring the notification bell to be alerted about new episodes. You can also find us at musicindustrycity.com or on your preferred podcast player. Thank you again to our hosts, Sam, Aisha, Stephanie, and the Duke. Have a wonderful day and see you next time. Peace.